thudding slowed until the UTV eased to a stop. The other man climbed down out of the rig, and for a moment it was just Duncan and his blood spatters and Olive's drawing. The colors wriggled and danced, the bright pinks and luscious yellows he'd never seen in anything living before he'd come to Hugan. If there was one thing he regretted about his life, it was that it had taken him so long to get to this stupid, wonderful moon. He thought about trying to pick up the drawing. Olive had wanted him to keep it. Then the passenger door flew open and his armpits were seized. He slid out of the vehicle and hit the ground, hard. His killer grabbed his arms. Duncan tried to twist away from him, but he didn't have the energy. He could barely breathe, although he could smell the woods all around him. The bright perfume of crushed button ferns brought a familiar sting to his nose. He was going to die in the woods alone. The thought made him go cold. Woden's coming up, the man grunted as he yanked Duncan over a fallen horsetail tree. He was skinnier and shorter than Duncan, and Duncan felt a perverse pleasure in the man's struggle. Going to be full dark in about an hour. Lucky for me, the dogs don't usually come out until Woden's high, and I'll be back in town by then. Duncan made a little whimper. That's right, the dogs. Jeff Eames said he saw the dogs on his farm last night. That's not that far from here, really. They say a dog can smell blood up to four kilometers away. You think that's right? The skinny man dropped Duncan's arms, and Duncan fell onto his back. The broad limbs of a horsetail tree spread out above him, the candelabra arms nearly blocking out the sky. Full dark might not be for an hour, but it was plenty dark under the trees. I hope they don't find you, Chambers. We've all seen what the dogs do to the dead. He walked away, his fancy cowboy boots jingling with every step. Duncan listened for the chiming to fade. Finally, the silence seemed complete, and he found the strength to push himself closer to the tree, where the upswellings of its roots lifted his head a bit. It was harder to breathe now. He guessed he only had a minute left, maybe two. At least he could see the forest around him. A leather bird dropped down beside him. Its eyeless face stretched toward him, its nostrils vibrating as it drew in his scent. The creature's soft clicking, the sound of a scorpion's feet on dry stone, made his skin prickle. Another landed next to it. He choked on blood, coughed, gagged. The nearest leatherbird rushed at him, its belly splitting open to taste the air. The yellow stinger inside shot out. Duncan Chambers closed his eyes. Somewhere in the distance, a dog howled. The cold drained out of her slowly. For a few seconds, Standish couldn't remember how to breathe, and then she gasped and choked and coughed up cryo liquid. Her abdominal muscles ached. There, there, the attendant murmured, the same soft-voiced woman who had intubated Standish on the other side of sleep. It'll all come out in a second. Just breathe. Her hand was too warm where it gripped Standish's bicep. 
Standish wanted to wrench it off and sit up on her own, but she didn't have the energy for extraneous shit. Breathing was enough. Then the fog cleared from her brain, and she sat up fast enough to rip the monitor from her temple. Hattie? Where's Hattie? My dog! The man sitting in the opened tube beside Standish gave her a sharp look. Half a dozen other passengers were rising, rubbing their still-cold throats, rotating their stiff necks. A second attendant, a painfully thin man with a handlebar mustache, opened the last tube in the room and frowned across at Standish. The female attendant checked the display beside Standish's cryotube. You're getting too excited. Please lower your voice. Where the fuck is my dog? She's still asleep. There's a different process for animals. The woman smiled with only her mouth. A set of tired lines stood between her eyebrows, and her skin looked...